Welcome to the Noel Kassler Podcast, episode 17. I'm back here under a full moon with my main man, Jimmy Kennedy, to ring in the summer and recap the week's events. How you doing, Jimmy? Doing fantastic, Noel. What's been going on with you, man? How are we feeling? Chilling, feeling good. Derek Chauvin just got sentenced to 22.5 years in prison, you know, and I'm sure we would have all preferred a life sentence but that was not going to happen to an ex-cop. But that's a pretty substantial sentence. It's not anything, you know, worth a man's life, but it's going to give pause, hopefully, to, to some of this uh, abuse that's been going down. It, it's uh, it's some form of justice, and I'm happy to see it. I'm, I'm somebody who most of my life the cops would walk, and that's not happening anymore, you know? So that's a good thing. And uh, what about you? What do you think of that? Well, I mean... <laughs> I think the uh, George Floyd situation changed it for everybody. You know, the fact that everyone was home watching the news when it happened and then it was on tape. You know, somebody had the presence of mind to go on Facebook Live and record it as it was happening. And I think people finally began to see that for better or for worse, this is a system that's been going on for a long time. And law enforcement, even with a badge, has to be held accountable and should be held to a higher standard, quite frankly, because they have the badge backing them up you know they should live up to what law enforcement should be uh and at this point Chauvin's not a guy that has those kind of morals yeah no he's, he's a bad dude and he's going to jail and you know you mentioned someone recorded it it wasn't just somebody it was a young african-american woman right. who's now getting a special um prize from the Pulitzer Prize Association for her journalism because it was heroic journalism it, yeah. it was the most important journalism that happened in that last year and it wasn't exactly a slow year for news <laughs> but what she did will live forever in humanity and it helped bend the moral arc of justice in the right direction and something like that is invaluable and, and you know technology takes a hit but it's changing the world in that ways because you know that kind of thing happened with impunity for the first 200 years in this country in policing 300 years you know had it been 1970 it would have just been a doa that they would have sent right to the morgue. You would have never heard anything about it. All those people would have still witnessed it and nobody would have listened to them because they couldn't prove it to the greater world beyond, you know? And it was people seeing what people in these neighborhoods have always known. You know, when I was a kid, NWA came out and everybody was like, oh my God, this is horrifying. You know, F the police. How dare they talk about the police like that? And they were right. They were reporters. You know, that was reporting. Okay. Those were like Bob Dylan songs. They were telling us what was going down, but the world wasn't ready to hear it. You know, and then we saw Rodney King. Then we did see it because there was tape and everybody was outraged and they let the cops off because back then, especially in Simi Valley, you know, which is where the trial was, it was an all white jury. And they're like, nope, we're not sending a cop to jail. But now now times are changing, you know, and that was the difference in this case is that white people joined the cause. And, and it's not to say that, like, it's tricky to say something that it's not saying that the white folks that got involved are the heroes of this situation. We're not. We're supposed to get behind our African-American brothers and sisters and say, what do you need? How do I show up for you? I want you to talk on this, but I want you to know I'm behind you, you know, speak on the truth and let me support you in that. You know, let me march with you. And that's what people did, you know, and, and in the midst of all this, you know, we learned a couple things. The protests that happened across the street from Lafayette Park last summer were because of this, you know, because of what happened to uh, 
to George Floyd, right? Nationwide protests. They, they spill mm -hmm. over into Washington, D.C. They end up across the street from the White House. And we find out yesterday that Donald Trump is sitting in the Oval Office with Stephen Miller, some other advisors, and General Milley. You know, a guy who was a Green Beret, who was like six tours of duty, went to Harvard. You know, he's everything you want in a warrior, an intellectual, a badass, you know, a disciplined, sober man. Right. So he's sitting in the office with him and Trump's like, hey, man, go over there and crack their skulls, you know, go shoot them, you know. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we can't do that, sir. You know, and he's like, well, just shoot them in the legs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wound them like that's insane. Right. And then Stephen mm -hmm. Miller chimes in and was like, yeah, they're laughing at us. We need to like take action. And General Milley apparently spun around in his chair and goes, shut the fuck up, Stephen, which I would have. <laughs> I'd give you everything I own to be in the room right there and witness that one thing. You know, I'm going to have that put on a T-shirt. But, um, you know, that was, you know, Trump wasn't down with the protest. You know, he was pissed that white guys were like supporting, you know, racial injustice and police brutality. Because in his world, that's the world. That's what happens. That's what that's what happens in New York. You know, NYPD is like that. Not all because there's minorities on the force, but all the cops that I grew up with or is the most racist dudes you're ever going to meet. <laughs> and people will lie to you and pretend like they're not because they're their brothers and their fathers and uncles and they like them. And I have ex-NYPD cops that I love, you know, that I consider family. They're close enough to me. I've known them forever, but they're racist. You know, they're mm -hmm. racist. Like Staten Island is a racist place. And the guys who go into that job get turned into racists. We had an ex-NYPD on this show. You know, he told you what it was like, you know, and that guy used the N-word all the time back when he was a cop. He said that was the job. That's what they told you to do. Go into the neighborhood and beat up black people. That was Mayor Giuliani's policy. You know, that was the broken windows policy of policing was terrorize minorities, for the betterment of white society, because if you scare them and lock them up, maybe it, we can bullshit some statistics that crime has gone down, which was never the case anyway, you know. But yeah. so so Trump does this and it comes out yesterday that he wants to attack and shoot protesters. You're about the age of some of those protesters, Jimmy. Like, how does that make you feel? You've spoken <laughs> on or like, how does it make you feel that the president of the United States would have been more than happy to look out the window of the White House, you know, rub yeah. one out while you're getting blown away <laughs> across the street by a military rifle? Well, I, I don't want to make it especially dark, but, you know, with me and having a having a walker, I would be the easy target. You know, that would be the person that would go down first, you know, as somebody with a disability. That's Saddam Hussein type stuff, man. Like that's that's a dictator an authoritarian does stuff like that. You know, we, we don't have any civil rights anymore if uh, Trump remains in office. If he's having those kind of thoughts when it comes to civil liberties and people, you know, demonstrating in public. It's, yeah. it's scary shit what, what's happening right now. You're damn straight it's scary. And that's who yeah. Trump is. People probably think I was being hyperbolic when I said, like, he will be hanging people on the lawn of the White House. If he gets reelected, he will be having public executions of journalists. And people are like, oh, that's crazy. And I'm like, no, mm -hmm. that's who he is. He's Game of Thrones. He's like that sick little king on Game of Thrones. You know, <laughs> what, was king, what was that king's name? Joffrey? Yeah, 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 a little kid, you know. That's who Trump is. He's been a sadist since he was a little kid. He threw rocks at his neighbor's baby. Healthy people don't do that. They don't look at a child in a jumper and say, I'm going to throw a rock at that 
fragile little, <laughs> you know, psychopaths <laughs> do that. You know, the kind of people that torture animals. That's why dogs bark whenever they see Trump. You know, mm -hmm. I've been around where they had like security bomb sniffing dogs, like going through the museum when we were filming. And whenever they'd see Trump, they'd start barking. You know, and those dogs are trained not to bark. They bark when there's a bomb or a threat. And that's how they see Trump. You know, he smells bad. Not just he does actually smell bad because he wears diapers and, you know, eats Big Macs all day or cheese hamburgers or whatever, McDonald's. But like he smells bad, like from a soulful perspective. If you pick up on vibes, the dude's got dark vibes. So, yeah, he would have looked out the window. He would have enjoyed seeing people get killed in broad daylight on TV because it would have given him the rush that he always wanted, feeling like he has the power of life over death. Right. That's why all this sexual stuff is abuse, is abusing innocent girls and women, you know, raping people. That's a violent act. He's trying to assert dominance. You know, when you see ever see him shake someone's hand and he tries to pull them in close, like mm -hmm. he tries to demean you because he feels demeaned inside. And he tried to make that policy. He tried to use our military as an arm to to sort of live out his own sadistic fantasies. You know, think about that for a second, you know? And that's why I spoke out, by the way, when I started doing stand-up and talking about him doing Adderall, which is all true, the point wasn't really like, oh, he does Adderall. You know, he snorts his Adderall. Mm -hmm. You know, as I said, if he could have done his job, no problem. You know, like if you could <laughs> do the gig, I don't care if you'd use drugs. But what I saw underneath him, that dark soul of somebody who would like kill somebody else to feel more alive that's terrifying in a leader and that's a great example of what i was warning people about you know the pressure was on and he got humiliated okay he reacted that way because the reports came out that he went down to the bunker the night before if you remember mm -hmm. in dc the night before they imposed a curfew and they had helicopters flying around the dispersed crowds and the stuff got serious and he had to run down to the bunker and it leaked that he went down to the bunker so the next day everybody's like hashtag bunker bitch on twitter you know <laughs> and he lived on twitter so he saw it in his mentions and it made him angry and feeling less than and humiliated so he tried to use our military to, to assert himself, you know, to become a bully. And he was willing to kill American citizens, children, essentially. You know, those protesters were like college kids and stuff. You know, it would have been, it would have made, you know, Kent State look like, you know, mm -hmm. nothing. It would have been a bloodbath, you know? And it's also curious that when his protesters, which aren't protesters, they were attackers, went up to the Capitol, there was no calls to open fire, right? You <laughs> right. want to open fire on a bunch of college girls and people with like George Floyd stick, you know, posters, right? Well, but when, when 10,000 people are attacking the Capitol, hey, stand back. Nobody carry any guns. <laughs> Don't send in the National Guard. They're just tourists. Well, you know, and he said too, we love you, you know, go, go home. We love you. And you had talked about it. He was probably hoping for an opposition. He wanted bloodshed on the Capitol steps. And then he could impose martial law, you know, and, and take whatever steps he had to to maintain power. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. why that's why the stand down orders were in place, because he was hoping that it would have gotten so crazy and somebody would have gotten killed. Right. That is, people right. would have killed a senator. They would have murdered Nancy Pelosi, God forbid, or Mike Pence or somebody. And then. There, there, there would have been chaos for hours, right? Because the troops right. wouldn't have been able to react immediately, you know, immediately. And it would have just been, uh, you know, 
a horrific situation that he could then assert military dominance on and say, you know, everybody just calm down. Everything is locked down. We're not accepting the, the results of the election. And they're, they're still trying to do that. You know, like that's still what the game plan is with all these recounts and stuff. I ran into Trump. I didn't speak with him, obviously, but I happened to be sitting on Fifth Avenue uh, in my car on Sunday, on Father's Day. And uh, he pulled up, you know, he, he was going into the side door of Trump Tower, you know, on 56th Street. And they shut down the block just like they did when he was president. You know, a bunch of NYPD came out with these big, huge guns assault rifles and they're like back up stand down back up you know this huge brutalist show of force and i'll remind our listeners two other presidents live in new york city okay clinton lives in westchester but his office is on 125th street in harlem barack obama lives on the upper east side where i live right so there's two other presidents that go about business in new york city and they don't shut down streets and have nypd show up in tanks with guns right but (laughs) trump did that and it's this show of force and people gathered on all four corners when he got out to take their pictures and they screamed out we love you and they weren't Mm -hmm. aga people you know and they weren't i mean they weren't like hipster New Yorkers either, you know, nobody like that goes on Fifth Avenue anyway, you know, it's like where you go to get ripped off in a a coach store or something, you know, it's like (laughs) where Kim Kardashian would shop or somebody who aspired to be, you know, a poor man's Kim Kardashian, it's all kind of junk, upscale junk, it's not junk, I mean, it's brand labels, if you're into that kind of big time brands, you know, Louis Vuitton, that kind of crap. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's not, I'm trying to paint you a picture of the kind of people that are strolling there, around there, but uh, they were all like, we love you, man. And they just, they love the celebrity <laughs> of it. It's a game show. They're not reading between the lines, you know? So he's working two forces there. The brutal, I'm in charge. Here's the image. I'm the king, you know? And, and also here's the fame because he turned around and waved at him and they all cheered and stuff. He didn't slink out of the SUV into the thing. He gave him what he wanted. You know, he gave them what they wanted, the little the little taste of fame. And you hear me say it all the time. That's what these MAGA rallies were. You know, they were WrestleMania. I think the dream come true for Trump would have been to be like a manager for a professional wrestler. You know, he wouldn't even have the physical demands of having to wrestle week to week. He would be like Paul Bearer with Undertaker, you know, and just lead somebody and make the pop. That would be the ideal job for Trump. You know, he could work for Vince McMahon for 20 years, go to the WWE Hall of Fame and have all the pop and circumstance as a result of that. But, you know, he always wants more. My point is he's like McFoley. You know, he's a guy that can announce the city that he's in and he's going to get cheers, you know, just because of who he is. He's a P.T. Barnum, like we've said before. He's such a marketer and he paints himself as, as such a big force that he is kind of larger than life, whether you want him to be or not. Oh, he's, he's much larger than life. You know, he's dominated yeah. American life too. You know, that's the tragedy is that we don't get these five years back. We don't get right. 100,000 people back, but we don't get the psychic like attention that we've had to pay to one of the most awful human beings that this <laughs> country has ever created. You know, the guy was somebody who should have gone away when he was 15 years old, been locked up somewhere in a state facility, and nobody would have ever had to see him again, okay? Because he contributed nothing to life. He took from life. And then he spawned these children that are just as bad, just as venal, just as morally repugnant, you know? And Ivanka Trump is trying to rehash her image this week. You know, she's, her and Jared leak these articles to the press and like moths to the light, 
you know, Maggie Haberman and these guys will repeat these things, you know? So the big story that came out this week, because they knew that charges are coming against him, right? Because Trump's attorneys on Thursday had to go talk to the Manhattan DA, Cy Vance, in his office about how these charges are going to come out against Trump organization, right? They're probably mm-hmm. not ever going to go after Trump, as I say all the time. If you think he's going to get a perp walk, he's not Derek Chauvin, okay? You're not going to get that satisfaction, okay? I promise you. They'll go after the organization. <laughs> They'll dismantle the organization. You know, he'll go bankrupt once again for the seventh time, you know? That'll, that'll be what happens. So he's not going to go down. His people aren't going to flip. And we'll get into that in a minute. But so Ivanka knows this is going down, right? The lawyer, they have to tell your lawyers, prepare to have charges filed against you, right? So the lawyers are in all these meetings. That's why Trump's in Manhattan. He knows they're going after Matthew Calamari, who's his big enforcer. Matthew Calamari is the guy who, you know, hits you with a baseball bat and throws you in the trunk, essentially, and drives you out to the wetlands, you know, before he buries you. And Keith Schiller's the guy who digs the grave, you know, and then Michael... <laughs> Michael Cohen's the guy who pretends like he knew all about it because he's trying to sell you a book, but was actually nowhere there. You know, he was in Vegas paying off a hooker. But anyway, that's kind of how that thing works, you know. So uh, so Ivanka knows this is all going down and she's scared because she was basically in charge of the Trump organization. And she's tried to play dumb like they deposed her earlier in D.C. or something. And she was like, yeah, I don't know, Alan Weisselberg. I'd have to look up his title. (laughs) because he worked for your fucking grandfather okay he's worked for your dad's company and your grandfather's company for 50 years he signed every check that you ever cashed you know from the time (laughs) that you were at Choate Rosemary Hall to the time you were sniffing coke at Penn and blowing dudes you know at at, at the frat parties okay yeah I mean who he is you know who you know who Alan is you know you went to his fucking parents funeral on long island okay you know what he does for your company but she's trying to distance herself so she puts these things in the press like ivanka and jared are distancing themselves from their father right first of all they built a five thousand square foot cottage in bedminster okay where where trump lives for the summer they renovated a huge cottage there while they were still in the white house all right they're building a mansion in miami on a private island okay they're not distancing themselves from their father. They know it's going down and they're hoping they can reinvent themselves once again. They made $640 million while they were in the White House. While you were paying Ivanka and Jared's salary, while Jared was looking up every file he could on every secret our government held and selling them to the Israelis and the UAE and the Saudis and anybody else who would pay him a dime, they were getting paid, not only in their own ventures, but by our government. And they'll never get in trouble. Okay. That's like I said, they'll go after the organization. They're not going to bring charges against Ivanka. And the press should be honest about that, you know, but it's a game, right? Oh, we'll get headlines if we say Ivanka's trying to rehab her image because everyone will get pissed and they'll click on it. And it's just, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's just bullshit. Like people don't understand <laughs> how this country works. You know, wealthy white men get away with things that black guys and minorities and people that aren't born rich don't get away with. Right. You know, right. like once again, it came out this week. The eight, you know, attorney general is going to protect Trump. You know, he might represent him in these lawsuits against those protesters we just talked about at the top of the show. <laughs> right. The, the attorney general might defend Trump against the people that are suing him that we just found out yesterday. He wanted to shoot. He wanted to murder them. They weren't a threat. Mm-hmm. They weren't armed. 
and the attorney general might protect him because hey he was president you can't really be suing a president now can you yeah you can right you know right and, and if you're thinking that like just going after his company is going to be the comeuppance he deserves you're tripping you know they deserve <laughs> to be in jail people always talk about like well you know they finally got al capone on tax evasion as if that's a good thing, right? <laughs> get him on the St. Valentine's Day massacre, you know, get him on gunning down a bunch of people with Tommy guns for 30 years, you know? Yeah. So he cheated on his fucking taxes. That's not justice. You know, that's the, that's the sort of tell of how corrupt our system is. You know, hey, we don't get the unseemly stuff on the rich white guys or the mobsters. You know, we get them on a technicality sooner or later right. and send them to a country club. Send Trump to jail for being a sexual predator. Make him stand trial for raping E. Gene Kelly in fucking Bergdorf Goodman, you know, and a hundred other girls in the last 30 years that, you know, didn't have the bravery, not that they weren't brave, that just didn't have the means to come forward. You know, E. Jean Carroll is a hero and all those women are heroes, but not everybody can speak out. People would be like, why didn't they do anything? Well, Dude, there's a NYPD cop standing outside of the hotel room door where he's doing this to you. He's a mm -hmm. huge guy and he's taking you downstairs afterwards and putting you in a cab and saying nothing ever happened, right? Go home now. You know, and the next day you're getting a call from Michael Cohen or somebody just like him and they're sending you a check and an NDA and you're going to sign it and you're not going to mess with this dude. You know, and then you're going to bury that in your life and it's going to come out and hurt you in other ways, but he's going to get away with it. He's going to protect himself from that behavior. And I know people he's done it to, as I said before on the show, I know a girl he started grooming when she was skating at his ice rink when she was fucking 12. You know, so the yep. guy is a predator, but he, you know, and if he was a poor guy in the Bronx pulling that shit, he would have gone to jail a long time ago. But as I mm -hmm. always say, he's a rich white guy with his name on the side of the building. And now he's a former president. You know, now he can get the NYPD to shut off traffic and hop out with machine guns because he needs to get out of his SUV and walk 20 feet into his building. Well, and you've talked about that, you know, NYPD has tanks, you know, and they, they wouldn't probably find a need to use them, uh, you know, if they didn't have them, right? Because they have them, they feel the need to use them. And I also thought about this last week, and I'm not equating what happened. I'm not justifying what happened, but, you know, Bill Clinton was impeached for a consensual blowjob, you know, like that's, that's ultimately what happened outside of the scope of the original investigation. Trump cites an, an insurrection, you know, and has the whole Russia thing happen. I mean, there, there was like three major phases to his criminality and nothing happens. Like, I'm not equating what Bill Clinton did. But when you when you compare the outrage that the GOP had in the 90s to the outrage they don't have now, it's it's Manchurian candidate type stuff, man. Like they're brainwashed. Absolutely. And not to mention the same guy, Ken Starr, who went after Bill Clinton, was one of Trump's biggest cheerleaders. Yeah. You know, the same guy had no problem looking the other way and cheering on Trump on Fox News and all these other places, you know, but wanted to go after Bill Clinton. And I've met Bill, full disclosure, I met Bill Clinton a lot. You know, I, I know Bill Clinton kind of, he comes over and puts his arm around me when he sees me backstage. I think I've talked about that on this show. I, I was his escort on a lot of events. You know, I, I like Bill Clinton a lot. He was a brilliant guy, you know. Was he a poon hound? Yes, he was, you know. Did he abuse his office? Should he have accepted that consensual thing? No, no. <laughs> he shouldn't have done it. You know, it was poor judgment, but it wasn't 
it wasn't anything approaching the kind of stuff <laughs> Trump did. Just take the COVID stuff alone, right? This other brilliant Washington Post article came out yesterday. So, you know, Trump gets COVID in October or whatever, you know, and they get on the phone. When he starts getting really sick at the White House, they get on the phone with Alex Azar and they say, hey, you know, those monocolodial antibodies or whatever, you know, we need you to fast track that and like send a couple over to the White House. Right now. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? The FDA goes through this whole process. We don't know if they're safe. We're talking about people's lives. We can't just give it out. And they're like, no, you need to make it happen now. You know, Trump's sick. Right. So he gets these things. Right. And within a day or two, he snaps back and feels better. And all these people are like, great. Now he's going to take this thing seriously. It almost killed him. His life was saved by science. You know, hopefully now he'll put on a mask and tell everybody to be smart. And what does he do? He invites Mark Burnett to shoot a TV commercial when he gets out of Walter Reed. Right. He flies in his helicopter as the sun is setting, takes a big circuitous route down the Potomac by the Kennedy Center. That's all Mark Burnett. Mark Burnett is obsessed with helicopters. He gets a hard on for him. And so does Trump, right? They take this big flight. They do this big stage landing on live TV. Trump wheezes his way up the stairs on the South Lawn of the White House, right, to the balcony. He can barely get up there. I mean, it looks like he's going to die walking up, <laughs> right? Yeah. Rips off his mask, puts it in his coat pocket as if it's some, you know, salutes an empty helicopter, turns, <laughs> turns on his Cuban heels and walks back into the White House. And and Robert Redfield, the CD director, CDC director was like, that's it. It's over. He's never going to take it seriously. You know, and at that point, there was probably, you know, 150,000 people had died. You know, that was at the beginning of the second surge, which just roiled this country last year in the late fall. And now we got 600,000 people dead. So again, he only cared about himself and getting that in the same reporting when he was like having these events because he caught it when he was he was Amy Comey Barrett was, you know, he had that party for Amy Comey Barrett and they were all <laughs> bringing in these people in the White House in a room and he got freaked out. He's like, I don't want these people close to me. I want them here. Like he wasn't worried about their safety. He was only worried about that they might get him sick and they actually did. But I mean, that's what shows who he is. He doesn't care about other people. That is a psychopath. There's a lot of people in life that are just assholes and not generous of spirit, you know? But then there's people who are like, I'm in charge of like this country and leading it. And I don't care if people die, you know? And, and I'm just gonna like get my life saved. And within a two day period, he couldn't even like, like have any sort of a spiritual awakening, even in a nanosecond, like, yeah, maybe it's a good idea to put on a mask and stay six feet apart. You know, <laughs> he wasn't asking people to do a lot, you know, it's just like, hey, keep your distance and put on a fucking little piece of cloth in front of your lips when you're out in public. It's not that hard. You know, five generations ago, people stormed a beach in Normandy, knowing that they were going to get killed within the first 10 feet. And they did it for the greater good. We're asking you to wear a mask, big boy. Wear a fucking mask. You got a Punisher sticker on your big pickup truck. Now's your chance to act like a man. But they couldn't do it. And they were led by a coward who only thought about himself. And now it's become a religion. You know, now it's pervasive. You know, Tucker Carlson on Fox News last night showed the clip of General Milley once again because he was on Capitol Hill this week. And he gave a brilliant answer. To a question about wokeism. He goes, we're educated. We want people that we're, you're, we're your right. generals. You're paying us to know what's going on. We need to know what people are thinking that we're asking to fight on our behalf. Get brilliant answer, right? 
Mm-hmm. And Tucker Carlson showed that clip last night and goes, first of all, he's not just a pig, he's stupid. And then Tucker gave his little fish sticks air laugh, right? <laughs> and that's what he said. That's yeah. Tucker Carlson. That's poison, man. You know, any other country, you'd get yanked out of that chair in a second, right? You think that would happen in Russia if he was speaking against Putin or something or one of Putin's generals that way? But Do you think... Russia- t- no. Do you think Tucker would have the balls to say that if he didn't have the Stouffer's, uh, you know, fortune fall back on or whatever the hell it is? You know, right. like he's he's such a jackal, you know, like can somebody just shut him up at this point? Like he's he's chipping away at democracy, man. How can we have this go on like this? Uh, Millions that- of people watch him every night, man. Yeah. You know, and, the, you know, they all do it. You know, the, there's a chick, jackal chick who comes on a couple hours after him white lady i don't know what her name is blonde oh and then that uh that smug um levin whatever his name is they're all horrible let's not even they're all horrible yeah i'm sorry yeah Um, i I didn't mean to break your ingraham there's an ingraham who's even worse she had on like somebody who pled guilty in court for you know their part in the capital attack last Mm -hmm. week right and then ingraham had her on that night and the lady basically took it back all her contrition was gone contrition and she was just like yeah we were just walking around in there i was helping an old lady through the door like nothing happened and now i've lost my job you know she was just whining you know and tucker's thing was like there's no such thing as white rage it's like you are white rage (laughs) you guys you guys got rage rageful about putting on a mask we asked your dumbasses to put on a fucking mask when you walk into a supermarket and it was more than you can handle. And you showed up at state houses with guns and screamed that you couldn't do it. You know, yeah. what, if, what if white people had to endure half the stuff that African-Americans have had to endure in our history? They would break, you know, they would break. Yeah. You were challenged with one thing and you couldn't do it. And I'm a white guy, but like, it's, it's insane. It's in, it's, it's, we're, we're so backwards in so many ways as a country. And, you know, it's dangerous. It's much more dangerous than people realize. You know, the Trump is kind of on his way out, right? But Iran DeSantis, you barely survived a Trump administration. You won't survive Iran DeSantis administration. I promise you that, okay? You will get your executions. You will get only Fox News and OAN on the networks, okay? That guy ain't going to compromise with anybody. Not that Trump did, but that guy is Trump 2.0 on steroids. He had a press conference today for the horrific tragedy of a building collapse in Miami yesterday. And like, what was his response? He immediately started talking about his 2024 presidential campaign and attacking immigrants. He immediately went into his own talking points and becoming combative. That's Trumpism, you know, and that'll sell. That'll be what's on Fox News tonight, you know, and people will vote for him. Because, you know, they're all already brainwashed. You're not pulling a lot of people over from the ranks of Trumpism, right? They've all been fed these lies. I saw on Twitter today, they're attacking Millie. They're like, oh, he sold out years ago. He's been bought off. You know, there was a time when a guy like General Milley with a bunch of medals on his shoulder, you know, on his chest, that's who like Republicans considered themselves. It's like mm-hmm. Eisenhower jack booted like you know not i don't mean that bad you know like these buzz cuts whatever you call them jarheads you know what i mean like they're not the anti-hippie you know a rigid serious like military guy that Mm -hmm. was the republican party you know that was their avatar so to speak and now they're able to throw a guy under the bus in a second 
because Tucker Carlson says he's a pig. You know, Tucker Carlson, who did his service at Trinity College on a squash court, you know what I mean? <laughs> like who's never worked an honest day in his life. You know, when he, he lives in Great Falls, at least he used to, which is a fancy suburb of Virginia. And Dave Grohl used to live there who I've worked with a lot with Foo Fighters and go way back with in DC. And he walked over to Dave's house one time, this is like the mid 2000s, and left Dave a note and was like, hey man, we should hang out and get a beer together sometime. Like I heard you're in the neighborhood, you know? <laughs> and I never talked to Dave about that, like, but I, I know he never did. You know, I know he oh, right. yeah. But uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's insane that all these people are able to turn against themselves so quickly because some dude who's getting paid tens of millions of dollars is sitting on Fox News telling them to what what they should think and what they should believe. And these people have done no service in their own lives. They have no accreditation to be making these claims. You know, they're just doing it because they know you're a bunch of rubes and you're going to believe it, you know, and Trump's still on the airwaves. And there's basically 100 Trumps now every day. And the Democrats are sort of playing into this idiocy in many ways. You know, Biden's mm-hmm. like, oh, we got a compromise and he's on the White House lawn. And I love Biden. Don't get mad at me, listeners. But he was out there yesterday on the driveway with Cinema and Mansion and all these guys and five other GOP senators. They're going to turn on you. That's all my thought. They're going to turn on you. It's not a compromise. And what happened today? Mitch McConnell shut it down, said he wasn't playing ball. And now they're starting to peel off. You know, one of them just peeled off this afternoon and said, unless I get assurances from Cinema and mansion that they'll vote no on this other thing uh, on the uh whatever the other bill i the names escape me right now then he's out he's out of the infrastructure thing you know so you they're not going to do business they're going to play you that's what they did to obama not that obama got played in an intellectual way but you try to do business they say they're going to go along with you they will draw it all out with all these compromises and then they back out anyway you know so you just need to do it you need to get rid of the filibuster. You need to turn the screws on Mansion and Cinema. You know who are basically plants. You know they're being paid by the Koch brothers to be chaos agents. And you, you just got to you got to realize what you're up against and fight it appropriately. Well, and I don't think we should fool ourselves. You know that Schumer, Pelosi, and Biden—they're part of the system too. You know what the hell is taking them so long? They know that democracy is hanging on the filibuster. Why haven't they undone it at this point? Because they're part of the system too. For better or for worse, we were governing from a far right position, like an authoritarian type of country. But now we're we're governing more from the middle. You know, Joe Biden is certainly not a, a progressive, not based on his voting record. He's more of a moderate. And I think that's why you're seeing some compromise on both sides. But this is a paralyzed democracy. It's not it's not functioning properly. That's for damn sure. Absolutely not. And time is not on our side, as I always say, you know, yeah. and you're right. Those other guys are creatures of an old order. You know, your Chuck Schumer's, yeah. your Pelosi's, your Biden's, you know, they're all great people and they served in a certain way, but it's just not this world anymore. It's not reaching across the aisle. It's the Tea Party and whatever that became, you know, it's MGT, you know, or MTG or Lauren Boebert, you know, <laughs> Back to Ron DeSantis. This week, he said Florida schools and universities now have to report the, the political beliefs of the students enrolled in them. Okay. That's insane. That's North Korea mass indoctrination stuff, you know, and that's what's happening. The Fox News and the OAN and then in schools that can't teach critical race theory. They're building an army. 
right? They're keeping the truth out. The truth is the enemy. Because once people go through a couple cycles of believing this bullshit, they turn into soldiers for that cause. And that is what's happening. So all the weeks that you're wasting negotiating with these senators that are negotiating in bad faith anyway, and are going to screw you at the 11th hour, because Mitch McConnell tells them to, while you're doing that, these other troops are coming to power. And these are the people that, that are going to back up the voter restriction laws that are going to allow the gerrymandered districts to continue in places like Texas. You know, the governor of Texas just voted against a bill yesterday, vetoed it, that was an anti-dog abuse bill. It said you can't lock your dog up in like 100 degree heat with no food or water outside, right? Pretty simple, no brainer. You think most politicians would be like, yeah, I'm not going to oppose that. He vetoed it, A, because he knows Trump likes do hates dogs, right? As I said at the top of the show. So he knows that would be against the MAGA political belief because cruelty is the point. And anything that has to do with compassion or nicety or nicety to animals, you know, no, it's guns, God and flags, you know, and just being as big an asshole as you can be. I think the thing that blows my mind, it's not that, you know, there's thoughts of the MAGA brand, because I think that's always going to be there. In America, you're always going to have your Ford F-150, you know, and everything else, is, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. You know, we, we've talked about Texas and bitched about that state, but I think it just blows my mind that these Trump folks just, it's their, it, they don't want to think. They, they just cannot actively think about what they're actually seeing, what you know, look underneath it, look between the lines, for God's sake, don't just look at it at face value, man, get outside and talk to a person of color, like gain some experience outside of your little bubble that you've forced yourself in, pisses me off, man. I hear you, brother, Jimmy's getting pissed off, everybody, you can't see it, he's getting all hot. I don't know, man, I just, having grown up with a disability, you know, like, I'm going to be the only kid in the hallway with a walker, okay, people are going to ask me questions right away, so I knew early on, try to get to know as many people different from you as possible, because you're going to have a, a fuller life experience. But, you know, these folks just want to surround themselves with people like them. And to me, that's pretty damn boring. Exactly. You know, yeah. but that's the conditioning. You know, we were taught to accept brands over experiencing, you know, experiencing things. That was part of the whole Reagan revolution, you know, and the Southern strategy, you know, infused more racism and more kind of xenophobia. At the same time, it gutted cultural institutions and the arts and things like that. So people, it's like, you know, you're into a football team and all you think about is your own football team. You know, <laughs> your football team can't do anything unless there's other football teams, right? It'd be pretty boring to watch your team play against its own practice squad every Sunday, right? <laughs> you need the team Oakland to make it a game, right? And it's the same way in our society. You need all these different flavors to make it a spicy gumbo that actually does something. All the things that these people celebrate were contributions of other cultures. There's nothing uniquely American here at all. It was the Native right. Americans who lived there and we, we committed genocide on them and have done nothing to preserve their cultures. That's not to say there aren't institutions trying to protect the lineage of Native Americans, but think about what we have lost. You know, just in that alone, like how many things that we'll never know as not just a people as Americans, but as like sentient human beings, how many things were probably lost to the planet forever, 
when we slaughter the people that had lived in harmony with nature, you know, for tens of thousands of years, for eons, you know, that knew the land intimately, that lived on it in a beautiful way and saw their own humanity in every living creature, you know, and worshiped every creature, even when they had to eat it or use it, you know, to keep warm in the winter, use its skill. They used every part of that being and they exalted it, right? Now we turn chickens into chicken McNuggets and weird shaped things and fry them. You know, we've dehumanized everything, the food we eat. That's bad for you after a while because you lose your connection to the earth. You know, the, 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 the indigenous peoples had no word for trash. Okay, they had all these different languages, all these different words. They never had a word for trash, okay? Because the concept didn't occur to them. There was nothing disposable. Everything had its place and its use, right? We're all trash. You know, our whole society is just throw everything out. You know, we, we drink water in individual plastic bottles that we then throw out in a landfill that end up in the ocean two weeks later. There's a garbage patch in the ocean the size of Texas floating around. That's going to kill us. It's going to kill us all. And we don't even question it because Coca-Cola makes those products. PepsiCo and all these other companies that donate money to your favorite Republican candidates and your favorite Democratic candidates. It's all part of the same system in a lot of ways. That's why you got to get big money out of politics. You know, it's like I always say, you see a big yacht, super yacht. Nobody got that yacht without hurting somebody. You know, even the person who bought it, because just the amount of energy you're using to roll that way on the ocean is insane. You don't have the right to do that. You know, you're part of an ecosystem. We're part of a greater good. And if you protect that, you live a happy life. If you try to carve out some little greed for yourself and some wealth for yourself, you're always going to be at war. You might think you're not going to be, but you are. Because you look at all these people we're talking about, none of them are happy. Trump's never had a happy day in his life. He's never had a grandkid say, I love you, grandpa. They say, mommy, don't make me go with him. <laughs> you know? Like you can see any of the grandkids when they walk with him. You know, he's a horrible person, you know, and they, he raised horrible kids. You ever seen a photo of Don Jr. standing with his kids? Mm, They're yeah. all right. You know what I mean? They look terrified, dude. Because he's abusive. He was abused. Yeah. He's going to abuse. That's what happens. You know, it's the curse on the house of Atreus. Violence begets violence. Abusers grow up to abuse other people or abuse victims. Not always. You break the cycle and it's hard to break cycles. It takes awareness and it takes compassion. But that's the kind of stuff that was gutted from this country to build this kind of army we're talking about. You know, one of the first things Reagan did was deregulate all the mental health institutions, basically kicked them all out. All these people that, you know, didn't belong out on the streets because they couldn't handle life. They needed help. They had a medical condition, you know, mental medical condition, and they needed the states to take care of them. Nope, we're not paying for that anymore. That's how he created homelessness. I mean, that was essentially, I've discussed it before. There used to always be, you know, a couple vagabonds of people out there, but then it just became widespread. Yeah, it's everywhere. People sleeping right. on the street in the nation's capital, you know, and in the New York City. And now it's it's never been worse. But you know, that's that lack of compassion. It, it kills its host. You know, it, it, you think like, oh, I'm going to get mine and screw the other guy. And it just never works. It just never works. And, and we're at war with ourselves in many ways now as a nation because of that. And we need art. We need light. We need music. We need humor. I'm actually mm -hmm. a comedian. You know, if anybody's listening, you might not, <laughs> you might not be aware of that by what I talk about on this show. But, uh, 
It's important. It's important that we understand that we're all in this together because we're all going to go down together. You know, whether we want to or not, we only got this one country and this one planet and it, and it needs our help. And a guy uh, that I've always respected in the entertainment industry uh, had his last show yesterday, Conan, we're recording this on Friday. Uh, and Conan had one of the best quotes I've heard in a long time. He said, uh, if you do what you love with the people that you love, that's that's heaven on earth. You know, and we, and we need to let Americans believe that that's actually possible for themselves, which is why Joe Biden's having these holistic problem solving kind of bills, you know, infrastructure to make sure that no lead pipes are a problem in the future. But like you've said before, the Koch brothers are about you know, they're chaos agents. They don't want infrastructure getting fixed because that means that people are going to get healthier and you won't have a constant system of sick folks to send through, you know, what's been a perpetual cycle of just BS in, BS out, you know? Yeah. And it's market-based management. You know, it's cheaper to have a, you know, a rusty old oil pipeline that might spill than it is to take that thing offline and make the repairs. Okay. That's how the oil industry has always functioned. Okay. Anytime the oil is not flowing through those pipes, you're losing money. Okay. And it takes a long time to shut it down and make a repair. It's easier to just kill some wildlife and have a spill and pay a fine to the government. You know, the fine is a fraction of the money that they make. And that's, that, that's emblematic of, of what our philosophy is, like a capitalistic philosophy that's been completely corrupted. You know, that's mm-hmm. what Eisenhower was warning people about, you know, uh, himself a Republican who'd been to war. So it has to change at a fundamental level. And, and Conan's a great guy. You know, it's a weird segue. I've met Conan a bunch, never, you know, I wasn't a comedian when, when his show was on, it was always behind the scenes. But I, I told this story a little bit on Twitter you know, a lot of what I did in live TV was called like talent escorts. That was my side of things was I worked in the department where you, and I was one of them a lot. You know, I got paid at it. I was like the top guy in many ways to do that. But basically, like if you see live people on a show, celebrities, we assign somebody behind the, the scenes to stay with them. Right. So if you're Beyonce and you're doing the gig somebody's going to be assigned to you and we're going to make sure that person stays outside your dressing room and make sure all your management knows where to go when it's time to, you know, you know, find the bathroom or get to stage or you need any water, whatever it is. And we give them a headset and keep in communications with them. So mm-hmm. we, were, we, we were having a meeting at Radio City for the Emmy Awards, I believe. And uh, we're out there in the lobby having the meeting with these hundred kind of volunteers that are coming in to help us. And, and Conan O'Brien happens by and Radio City is attached to Rockefeller Center. It's across the street, but it's part of the same complex. And uh, mm-hmm. so he, he came by and he had his talk show on NBC at the time. He goes, hey, is this the escort meeting? You know, he goes, when I was a writer at SNL, I was an escort. You know, they asked me if I wanted to be a talent escort. And I'm this dorky writer guy. So I was like, heck, yeah, I want to <laughs> do that. You know, and in his head, he was going to be with like Brooke Shields, you know, like going to meet Madonna or something, you know. <laughs> And he shows up to do do the show and they assign him to Estelle Getty, <laughs> who's awesome. Yeah. But she's like four and a half feet tall. And if you've ever met Conan, he's like eight feet tall. You know, he's one of the tallest people you'll ever meet. He's uh, at least me. I'm five, seven. He's a tall guy. So it's just hilarious. You know, and he told that story with such love to us, you know, you know, and he knew what he was doing by telling the story to these guys. And uh, that's how he was. I did the TBS upfront every year for for quite a few years 
obviously his show was on TBS, you know, and I was assigned to him more than once. And he was always like, he would come out, you know, in the stairwell where you were hanging outside the door and be like, how are you doing? And joke around with you and stuff. And uh, yeah. very, very like cool guy in that respect. And my friends are in his band, you know, a very good friend of mine, Mark Pender was the trumpet guy. If you ever see the bald trumpet guy, when you watch his show, that's one of my good buddies, Mark Pender, who also okay. played Springsteen's band. And, you know, I know Jimmy Vivino, the guitar player and stuff. And I won't get into it here, but I happen to know the kind of things that Conan has done for those band members. You know, when he went through that whole thing with dust up with Leno and, you know, he'd already told people they already moved their families out, you know, out to California. And then the gig ended, you know, like right. he made sure they were taken care of and he got another contract that he kept them on the payroll, you know, for decades after that, or, you know, 10 years. And, uh, that's the kind of guy he is behind the scenes. He's going to take care of you. And he's also a massive guitar collector, which I would love to, uh, to, to hear more about someday. So I hope Conan like puts out a coffee table book or does some kind of show with his collection. Cause you know, he's been making some money and I've always fantasized about the kind of guitars he would buy. Cause I'm a guitar collector too, but uh, I don't have the funds, you know, that right. Conan does. And he's also got, Jimmy Vivino and his band who has one of the great guitar collections and really knows his stuff. So I can't even imagine the kind of stuff that Conan has collected in the last 28 years he's been in live TV, but mainly he's collected laughs, you know, and he's collected good karma and he's collected love and he's done it the way he wanted to do it. And he's a smart guy, you know, he's a smart dude who, uh, that was reflected in his work. You know, he's a smart, compassionate guy. So we haven't heard the last of Conan O'Brien and I'm jealous of my friends who got to do stand up on his show. But um, good for Conan, man. Who else? What else? Um, well, I, I just wanted to say, too, I, I love Conan as well. He, he's been on he was on The Simpsons even before he got his talk show. You know, like the guy's been involved with a lot of different comedy and went to Harvard. You know, like you said, he's a smart guy and he also speaks Spanish fluently. Uh, or at least he has on the show before. That, that's always impressive to me. Um, we've already talked about the infrastructure bill um yeah man like it's just i don't know at this point with with trump and everything going on it's like what is this all for like the my pillow guy a failed reality tv star like it's kind of lost its sizzle to me the the whole pursuit of trying to overturn the election like give up already right but they're not going to give up jimmy that's the whole point it's just yeah. about creating the chaos grifting the money and and stalling you know, they're right. buying time for your DeSantis and for your Tucker Carlson and for all these other guys to get more troops, you know, to get more right. people ginned up. There's going to be a whole new generation voting in this next presidential election. You know, kids that were, you know, 14 and 15 and 16 watching all this crap go down are going to be mm -hmm. a voting age. And they were living in homes with dads who were buying all and moms that were buying all this BS that think like. Trump is still the legitimate president and it was stolen <laughs> from him. And that invective and that resentment is going to get launched at the next Democratic candidate. If it's Kam Kamala Harris, you know, against a Ron DeSantis, that's that's, yeah. the, you know, that that's going to that's what they're going to run on. They're going to run on racism and resentment. OK, and and that's a mighty potent brew. You know, that's that's a dangerous thing. So in the meantime, and then we're coming up to the end now because we've been giving people a lot of harshness. Next week, we'll get it to Eric Prince and stuff. But because um, there's there's more I can't keep up with all the stories that broke this week. And they're all so dark 
that we've just touched on a few here, me and Jimmy, but I'm getting ready for a comedy tour. I'm going to, I'm going to start touring again and uh, playing clubs and stuff. So I'm going to be at the Rams head in Annapolis, Maryland on September 16th. So if you live in the Baltimore or DC or Northern Virginia area, come on out and see me. I'm from Maryland originally. It's going to be a good time. It's a music club that I was last in with Stephen Stills, ironically. 10 years ago, I was there with Stephen Stills when we were doing this club tour after Neil Young bailed out on the Buffalo Springfield tour that was supposed to happen and be like 30 something shows. And they, they did like seven or eight shows, including Bonnaroo. And Neil was like, nah, I'm out of here. <laughs> which is what he does, you know? So then Stills was pissed off and we were playing clubs all throughout the fall. And we had a particularly memorable gig at the Rams head, but it's a wonderful club, man. Great food. You like crab cakes, Jimmy? Oh yeah. Big fan. Always. There you go. Nothing like yeah. those Indiana crab cakes. Well, it's funny you mentioned that when the Patriots beat us uh, in the, uh, or we beat the Patriots in the AFC championship and uh, they sent the Colts crab cakes. You know, that was the gift. So New England crab cakes. And then we sent them St. Elmo's stuff. So And St. Elmo's yeah. invented the, you know, the, the shrimp cocktail. Oh, yes. You know, has Trump ever had a St. Elmo's shrimp cocktail? I think the, the cocktail sauce would probably knock him out, you know. Good point. That's a good point. I don't know. He'll, he'll probably try to sniff that after his Adderall. Jimmy's coming with the jokes today. Jimmy's got his hair slicked back. You guys can't see at home. You got a date tonight, Jimmy? I'm trying to get one. If anybody's available, you know, you can slide my DMs or whatever. But oh, ladies, you hear that? Uh, Holla at your boy. And, uh, you know, once again, everybody, thanks for listening. I know it's kind of a diatribe, but, uh, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. You know, and we got us. We got to keep our, uh, you know, our noses to the grindstone or whatever. The, it's, it's an awful term. I don't know if that's the phrase, but, you Just know, be aware, you know, gotta be the, aware. Yeah. Aware what's going on. Exactly. You know, because it's going down. It's going down fast. And, uh, you know, if you know somebody who's listening to Fox News, turn them off You know, turn it off. Ask them about the Miley stuff. You know, the General Milley. Just be like, is that really what you believe? You think Tucker Carlson is the right guy to call that dude a pig? You know, right. those guys, these, they fought and bled for this country. And the guys that are manipulating you never did. You know, they sat in their country clubs. And they sat in their prestigious Ivy League schools and they looked down on people like you because I know those people. OK, I live amongst them and they don't think a lot of you. Trust me. So, you know, it's a scam and you don't want to fall for it. In the meantime, enjoy your summer. We'll be back next week. We're heading into the July 4th holiday. It's the last week of June right now. So have a good one. Get out to the beach or get outside and get back in nature because nature will always heal you. So once again, folks, thanks for listening. Last week's episode had like 10,000 downloads, which for us is, is an all-time high. So tell your friends, download us, subscribe, come see me in Annapolis, Maryland on September 16th. You can listen to Jimmy's podcast, JBK On Air. Where can they find that, Jimmy? Uh, any of the places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. It's all on the main servers. So you go, hit him <laughs> up. He's a main server kind of guy. So until next week. We'll see you, folks. Thank you. Noel Kassler Podcast, Episode 17. Peace.